Tiger Bitstorm, a comedic game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Travis Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Love, love that you're mixing it up after more than 280 episodes. Yeah. It's about time. It's about time. Um, last week, we were talking about the the wonderful Ollie Zanetti and his early games. So yeah. we've had a discussion with him. Uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want us to uh, release any of the recordings that we had with him. Um, but we've we've used them as, as sort of like notes and obviously yeah, we've the got biography some, and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, just just to give us a bit more insight into. Into some of his games, he's, he's become a bit of a, a recluse mm. of late. Uh, I, I saw, I saw that he's he's finally added a Twitter. Like, yeah, he. It sounds like his publisher has made him get a Twitter account because the they're trying to sort of build buzz a bit as they like build up to uh, the release of his new game, which they haven't mm. they haven't announced anything about yet, but. Uh, uh, we do know a little bit. Like we'll be talking uh, as much as we're allowed to later on in the in the episode, because uh, he has given us the um the beta version for to play. So I know I'm looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, yeah, we're we're very lucky on that front. Yeah, uh, but um, seeing as that, seeing as we're going through chronologically, we'll leave that till the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we left off last week talking about Red Hot Plunger. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on from that. Let's uh, let's discuss the next game in his uh, his repertoire, his his uh, his history, which was Fault Lines. Yes, uh, uh, which is obviously the um, probably where he came into his own with um, with Audrey doing all the graphics and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's it. Once once they got that uh, first one out of the way, that first collaboration, uh, you know, which obviously was great. Uh, and and really, you know, they they he redeemed himself uh, coming off of Lifeless Frontier with that. But yeah, this is really Fault Lines is really where that collaboration started to really shine. Yeah, it was interesting to that you know Red Hot Plunger finished in the middle of the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on on, on that on the big, uh, the big barge as he's trying to yeah plug the giant plug hole. Yeah, and you know that was obviously draining, draining all of, all of the Pacific, and yeah. technically all of the ocean's water. Well, um, and yeah, only he had a plunger that was big enough. That's right. And and what was so interesting about you know the transition here, obviously becoming his trademark at this point. One game, one game's location, at least in the past, leading directly into the next. In this case, it was essentially the event, the actual event, leading one into the next. Uh, but you're, you know, you're playing a completely different character. It's a new story, but we're starting off with these oceans draining, and it's starting to have these effects on the Earth. Yeah, and basically, you know, in the Pacific, there's um, as as is discussed in Fault Lines, there's the Ring of Fire, which mm-hmm. is basically a whole heap of volcanoes that are along the fault lines of that of that uh, particular plate, and what was actually supposedly happening, Ollie Ollie told us, mm. is that. The crack in the plate was actually leaking water into the, into the, like the ring of fire and it was causing a lot more steam and stuff and a lot more volcanic activity. Building and, up all the pressure. Yeah. It was going to basically launch, like if our character, and we play the same character in fault lines. This is the first time that we've really played the exact same character and you're no longer an assassin. You, you sort of, you go more in, into that, um, adventuring mode of, um, you lose your plunger in, in like the first, uh, yeah. what, 
minute of the of the game. <laughs> well, and again, they almost don't address it. Like, it, I think technically it is the same character, but uh, and you know the name, you know the character's name is the same and such. But uh, yeah, the, the the gameplay goes in such a different direction, and you know the fact that essentially. Because cause we'll, we'll just, the way it starts, like you said, the ring of fire, all the pressure is building, but what essentially happens is it creates this whole new landmass as sort of that plate under the ocean almost like comes loose and floats yep. to the top of the ocean and, uh, and you're on it. You're like, you're the only, you're the only person on this landmass. Uh, but, you know, as part of, uh, what happened and like the heat and everything, like, it it all starts growing, and you've essentially become it's this, it's this brand new island that is that has been created here, and you're now exploring and surviving on it. Yeah, and like he he mentioned that he wanted to have something that was slightly bigger than Australia, mm. and yet came became extremely fertile very quickly. Like it sort of stopped just just before the Barrier Reef, uh, so it was just on the other side of the Barrier Reef, and it's sort of like the the Barrier Reef is almost protecting the um protecting the two the two land masses. Mm. Um, they're yeah, equidistant well, apart, and and so what was uh, what was super impressive about this is you know the way that he mixed well he and Audrey mixed procedurally generated uh, spaces. You know, obviously, it's literally almost the size of Australia. The entire land, like you can, when you like manage to build up your flying machine and that sort of thing, you can travel across the whole landmass if you like. Hmm. Um, but the way that they blended that procedural generation with this just lush graphical style, uh, and then it just works so well. Like you, a lot of the time, you wouldn't know that these weren't uh that these were procedurally generated areas you know yeah it it is in this game that i realized that he he has this idea about civilizations sort of being being sort of i don't know how 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 to actually put it exactly effectively this is an undiscovered land mm. that has been under underwater the whole time but it feels lived in and it's it's as if you know this is what Life would be like if man wasn't here. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's almost gives a surrealist quality in that way because he doesn't bother trying to address the science of how this you know landmass that's been under the water for millennia you know suddenly has animals and like fauna that can survive on it and this sort of thing. It's it's almost a it's very artistic in that way where. You know, it it's it sort of comes up fully formed, or almost forms as you explore. You know, yeah, yeah, and I, I I did quite like the fact that you know it wasn't just that you know when 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 I first saw it, I'm like, you mean the entire plate comes up, and therefore all the islands have just you know risen however many meters into the sky. It's like no, no, no. He sort of formed it around the existing islands and that sort of stuff. Like- yeah, it's kind of it's more. It's more that like the land, like parts of the land came loose in that way, yep. and it, yeah, it's not, it's not so that it sort of all came up as one. But again, like it's, it's very much this artistic interpretation, yeah. Uh, and then the way that you know, it, going along the sort of fault lines, uh, you know, idea that as you explore this thing and sort of as you are done with with different sections of it that they break off and start to float mm. away and sink back under the ocean. Yep. Uh, is such an interesting, you know, artistic choice. 
Yeah, I, I really liked. There was almost remember that remember that film Evolution. Mm. How mm. like there were aliens, or well, there were there were species on the on this land that obviously at some stage they were aquatic, but they've adapted very mm. very quickly to mm. to breathing and all this sort of stuff. And they're a whole heap of like species and stuff that we've never seen before and feel very otherworldly. Mm. But I kind of felt that he took that idea from evolution of as soon as they got a little bit of heat, they just started well, you know, you know going through their evolution very quickly. He, he didn't talk about this directly when we spoke to him, but I think I think a lot of that came from Audrey, that they, like while Ollie was focusing on the more artistic sort of symbolism around the whole thing and the game as a whole, obviously Audrey's there coming up with the creature designs and that they were mm. much more... That they really wanted it to be sort of have some sort of basis in reality, um, which makes sense because that gives the creatures so much more sort of weight and presence to to think that oh, this is actually something that could have evolved in some way. Uh, my my favorite section was, you know, probably about four or five hours into the game, and you come across that huge coral kingdom mm. that is now, you know, you sort of see it early on. But it's so far away that you you kind of like oh what's that tower in the distance? Well, yeah, you and- see it like raise up. You see it. It's a it's a landmark that is that is there in the distance for a good chunk of the game. But then when you see it for the first time, and you and you see just like what looks like caves at first, but no, it looks like an entire civilization that has actually created mm. this huge like interconnected series of buildings and and stuff. And it's like the fa- the fact that he he built all that. At- and didn't populate it. Like it just it left so much mystery to to what we don't actually know what goes on under the ocean. And yeah. obviously there's Yeah, well you know, you some know, stuff it, about that. In it was interesting because uh unlike so many of his previous games where there was so much explicitly written lore um about, you know, the characters and the connections and that sort of thing. This this one was a turn, seemed like a turn because so much of it was environmental. Uh, mm. And, you know, like, you know, obviously a, a, the vast majority of the massive land masses procedurally generated, but it's quite clear that the important places that you visit are handcrafted uh, in that way to to evoke those sorts of things, like you said. Like, mm. yes, this Coral Kingdom was, popu- like, feels like it was populated, feels like... There were even if not in the way of like oh there's books and pianos and tape like it but it feels lived in in some way you know yeah by an alien civilization essentially yeah and it it's I don't know it just exploring that and just sort of seeing you know the um oh the the bed that seemed to be like at least it seemed like a bed it was a, mm. it was a shelf sort of thing covered in in like mussels and. Mm. You know, whatever the mollusks, mollusks sort of things are, you know, it looks very, very much, um, abandoned and, yeah, but it just, it evokes like, who lived here? You know, who slept in this bed? Who? Well, that's, that's the thing. And, and I mean, it, it really speaks to, like, this game is so different to a lot of other games. Like, there's no real hand holding through it. Uh, mm. you know, you, you obviously, you're, you're talking, uh, you're talking over your earpiece back to, uh, back to your sister back on the mainland, you know, at times when you can get to like, get up high enough, get to places where you've got the reception. And I like how they 
kept that going. Kept using yeah, and that it was a way to keep you going and 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 it was drive. using satellite technology instead of you know because obviously there's <laughs> there's no when there's no mobile mobile towers being built on this thing. No, no, no. But of course, there was every now and again you could hit you could get you know the satellite a, a perfect perfect like connection to the mainland through the satellite system. Yeah, and and that and that and I like how that drove you know that, that allowed you to keep that momentum going through the next sort of areas. Um, but that within each area, like there wasn't a lot of explicit direction, you know, it was yeah. very much this explore, survive. Uh, I mean, it was a survival game before a lot of other people were doing survival games. Like, well, it had those aspects. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it didn't have like the, the full on crafting sort of stuff that a lot of the modern no. survival games had, but it had, you had your hunger and your thirst, maybe you sort of, you had to hunt a bit, um, you know, and it had almost, uh, you know, before Subnautica, it had some of those aspects of like, oh, figuring out the behaviors of these alien creatures and stuff. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite parts as well was I'm I'm sure that you you could have missed this, but he did think about you know the internet cable that goes across from Australia to to the US, like runs along the runs mm. along the bottom, and all this sort of stuff, and the fact that he did actually keep that in approximately the same sort of position this cable going for, for yonks and it dips back down into the water again. And you can see up in the distance that, you know, there's more landmass. So it most likely will come up again. Mm. It was really interesting. It's like, Oh, okay. So he has thought about, um, what would, what would actually happen to yeah, you know, well, all, I mean, these, I think- all these man-made things that people got everywhere. Uh, the cruise ship, that was an awesome thing. Like the stranded yeah, cruise ship. That, that was um, cool. Well, and, and so striking after spending so much time, up until that point in this alien space, like this alien feeling space to then come across this remnant of humanity, uh, you know, really, yes, sort of struck, strikes you, you know, differently. It's like, oh, right. That's what, you know, human things look like. (laughs) Um, and it felt so out of place. We, when we did talk to Ollie, he did say that there was some other things that he was planning on putting into the game. Um, yeah, he told us there, the there, sort of cut areas. Yeah, there, there was, there was the whole, you know, who was going to colonize it first, whether it be America or Australia, and like there was going to be like territorial fighting and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, he he said he took out a lot. Like there was a sort of a whole sub story there of what the rest of the world was thinking of this new landmass and really how they were reacting. And you get a bit of that in still when you do talk to your sister, but just that. He said it felt more important to focus on your character's experience here, yeah, and just sort of the 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 beauty of the landscape itself, and you know, rather than again the artistic side of it, rather than the sciencey side of it, yeah, and really sticking with that. What do you think of the the sound design in this? Like, was a little bit of a departure. Yeah, well, it had that sort of. Uh, it felt very stark in some ways. Mm. You would expect with the the nature of the the visuals, like I was almost expecting, the, if I was to do it without the creativity of yep. someone like Ollie Zanetti, uh, it kind of would have been a very like ethereal soundtrack, like kind of mm. soft sounds, you know. But it was almost like he was juxtaposing the visuals against the harshness of the audio. So you and, had and the like, lonesomeness, the like and. Like, yeah, like in, so I'm just thinking sort of in that, in that section where you, 
like, well, just whenever you're sort of near a beach or whatever, like those waves crashing on and, you know, yeah, the way that that interrupted the mm. the silence almost, the, uh, the like you were saying, the lonesomeness of, of just being on this on this planet, on the planet, on this landmass. Yeah. Um, I swear, after playing at five o'clock in the morning, like just walking across this, like, deserted land heading heading mm. towards um heading towards this big tower in the distance and just hearing you know the foot step yeah. onto onto the sand you you almost hear every every crunch well, of the, that sand sort of just moving under yeah, your feet it was the so effort, the effort put into just the footsteps and the mm. different types of footsteps on different uh materials really paid off because there's because there's not the music because it is really just this stark soundscape you end up focusing so much on that and it becomes almost like this this uh rhythm of your game as you're stepping and so when that does shift in different ways because you change uh you know what you're walking on or whatever you notice or you run out of stamina as you're trying to run across this this barren landscape (laughs) yeah yeah um and I'm glad he didn't go too crazy with the weather cycles, like, um, and it wasn't- I think that would have been too frustrating. And again, I think focusing more just on the exploration parts, um, and then- and He wasn't afraid to have nothing for, for like a good hour of the game, like- But it didn't, it didn't get old. didn't feel like it, You'd think that it would. You'd think that it would without any, without any explicit story and without any, like, quest markers or whatever. You'd think that walking across- a procedurally generated landscape for an hour. It's almost, you know what? It's funny because it's almost that he, it was almost like he wanted to prove that he could do something like lifeless frontier, but actually make it work. Mm. And that, you know, obviously he and Audrey working together that like, it's like, no, this can work. So here's a, here's a huge landmass with, you know, far, the, 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 the landmarks few and far between, but you want to explore it. And obviously not having- You can't see everything, like- No, no, there's no way. Like, even when you do get to that point where you can craft your flying vehicle um, and, and sort of explore larger chunks of it, uh, you, there's just no way you can explore everywhere in this game, mm. you know? I, I've got to admit, I did like the sound of the waves so much that a lot of my gameplay was spent rather close to the coast. Um mm. The only time I kind of wanted to journey in towards the centre was to head to the Coral Kingdom. Um, but I suppose the end did come out of nowhere. And I know that we're going to talk about that a lot in the next game because it does lead right into of it, as, as any of these do. But the fact that, like, after you've, after you've explored the Coral Kingdom and, you, and you're going along and you get attacked by, by the local fauna. Yep. And you wake up and you're in a farmhouse, like- yeah, th- so this was really the only sort of downside I felt. Yeah, and it wasn't as harsh as some other pre- as, as some of his other transitions. I mean, it was very. <laughs> it was sorry. It was very harsh. It wasn't as. Uh, I feel like he justified it a little, which is tough to do when it's sort of the whole almost. Oh, it was all a dream kind of idea. Like, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it was just after the big chase sequence where all the land behind you was, you know, like falling down. The yeah. co- the coral kingdom had, was starting to collapse and all this sort of stuff. And then you had like like what what felt like the entire horizon was just fauna mm. lined up to attack you, and it cut to black. You know, as you as you're running towards them, 
they need to kind of just wake up in this farmhouse. And well, it was interesting because I feel like I feel like it was an homage to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, uh, did have a bit of a feeling of you were there and you were there yeah, and you were there well, because you had like the the stuffed toy that you had beside you was one of the fauna that you know. Yeah, and you you know you look across to the other side of the room and there's a you know a piece of coral there that is very reminiscent of the main tower. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but it, it was a little bit harsh, and it and sort of didn't really explain it. It was almost just a here's a climax, and now you're here, and you, you sort of you have that little conversation with your with your sister. Um, we we did actually ask Ollie, you know, what it meant, and he goes, "What do you think it meant?" Yeah, he's not forthcoming. And- <laughs> no, <laughs> when it comes to these sorts of uh, explanations, for sure. And the thing is, you and I talked to him separately about what we thought ha- happened. We thought different things, and he said, "Yep, that's it." Like, so yeah, I, I brought up the Wizard of Oz thing and he confirmed it to me. But then yeah. when I talked to you, it's which is, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I, I actually said that he was teleported there because of some alien technology. And he goes, yep, you got it on the, got it on the money. Got like, it on the nose. Yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a tricky man. He's a tricky man. Isn't but that does bring us to the next game. Yeah. Which I don't know. Do, do we, do we go with, do we go with the code name or do we go with the release name? Like, I mean, people uh, will know well, it by the release name, but we can- Yeah, so, we can Drug Dealing Farmer, uh, and that's F-A-R-M-E-R, but the the working title was The Glory of Drug De- Drug Dealing Farmer, and that was P-H-A-R-M-A, but he obviously didn't like the idea of- Well, and I think he just- he wanted to get the pun in there. Yeah. And uh, Drug Dealing Farmer is a- it's an ambiguous title. It could go in a lot of different ways if all you had- <laughs> <laughs> was the title. Uh, if you were trying to, like, for example, if you were trying to just come up with a game just purely based on that title, like, it just gives a lot of room. So, I'm sure that that's sort of why he, you know, left that. He wa- Again, he likes leaving things open for interpretation. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm kind of glad that he did go down the route that he did go down, which was cultivating a marijuana crop, crops in, in, you know, basically a almost a- a uh, fuck you to the Australian government because he knew that it was never going to get, uh, never going to get allowed here. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, here in the Australian government, they, they don't like, uh, anything to do with real drug use unless it's, you know, showing the negative effects. So it, it. it was refused classification here. Yes. Yes. And yeah. So, I mean, this is an interesting one to talk about because. I mean, he just, I was going to say it is yet, a yet again a bit of a uh, departure, but how many times can you have departures from previous games before you just are unpredictable with the games you're making? You know, at yeah. this point, he's definitely broken free of this initial kind of, you know, goth, Necromancy goth and phase, all that sort of stuff. you know, themes, and he just want, obviously wants to try new things and, and had the opportunity to do so. Um but, you know, we hadn't seen, because you know, there's a, there's a proud history of weed growing games, right? Like, what was yeah. the one that was always played in high school on, uh, like on TI-83 calculators or whatever? Um, oh, yeah. I don't remember the I name. I don't remember it was what it's called. Hash Money, something like that. And it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But there have been many games, but usually they are just these kind of little, you know, managing your crops, managing your, uh, your money. And deciding, you know, where to put things. And this game has aspect, has those aspects in it. But the fact that it's wrapped in this package of, of the visuals and, you know, the way that you can build up your farm and 
There's just a lot more depth to it than, you know, than oh, those games ever had. There is a lot more depth than what you ever would have thought possible because, I mean, it's really on the first third of the game that is that is about, you know, growing and cultivating these these crops. And the rest of the game is, is all about, you know, fighting against Big Pharma. Yeah, well, that's it. And, and that's obviously where some of the punny name comes in um, because there, there are the sort of the three phases to this game and the way that the gameplay shifts is really interesting. So you've got that first phase where you're essentially illegally growing weed on your farm. Mm. But at about a third of the way through, and this is obviously a, unfortunately at this point, uh, an alternate history of Australia, uh, but they legalize weed. Mm. And so now you still are growing it illegally because you're not licensed to do so, but you're competing against Big, big farmer, farmer, essentially, against yeah. legal weed growers and the big corporations who now want to make money from it. And I've noticed that the only, like you notice in the game, the only licenses that are going out are to mates of Big Pharma, basically. Yeah, well, and and this is where Ollie's brought back a bit more of his, you know, deep lore because there are all these character relationships and things that you see and you get to know these, you know, farmer execs and- uh, you know, you understand kind of, he, he does a good job of building it up to the point where you understand those relationships and, and where, how these things are connected and through mm. news articles and, and different things. Uh, but then of course, in the, in the sort of final third of the game is where you basically, you accept a job from one of these big pharma corporations. And now you're still, you're still building your, your farm and still growing it, but now you've got all of their resources and all of their, technology and you know it shifts things up yeah and you're doing a little bit of espionage sort of stuff yeah but of course you're like trying to bring it down from the inside uh because you don't agree with their you know business tactics what i thought was really cool was and we'll just talk about a little bit of the technology behind the crops for a little bit uh normally when uh you build a a plant uh, quite often you, you use like sprites on different angles and all that and just, f- you know, flat leaves and all this sort of mm. stuff and try to make it look as 3D as possible while using 2D sort of mm. stuff. Every single leaf in this was an object. Like, yeah, I that- don't know how they managed to do it. And this is like, uh, it was released, you know, right at the very end. Like we're talking, uh, right at the very end of like 2012, um, released on, um, Released on the 360 and the PS4. Mm. It wasn't released on Xbox One. And it wasn't ever done as backwards compatibility, but then it was also never released on the PS3. It was released on the PS4. So it was one of those weird sort of things where- um, It was a weird thing. I feel like, and we should have asked Ollie about this, but I, I think maybe uh, that they were developing for the PS4, um, but I guess maybe they weren't able to get the Xbox One- Dev kits or something, yeah. or there was some, you know, different issues. Whereas they there. still had the 361, they're like, yeah, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. And they're so used to, to doing, uh, uh, to doing the, the 360 development at that point. I say 20, 2012. I actually meant 2013. Sorry. I got my, got my, well, I think because it was in uh, development through, yeah. through 2012. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, it came out 2013, I believe. Yeah. And um, it was a launch game for the PS4. Yeah. Which was. But- but it, yeah, it was super impressive. And look, you could, you could notice 
I mean, they still managed to get that level of detail in there for the 360, but you could see that the level of detail system wasn't as robust on the 360. <laughs> they weren't able to keep <laughs> as much of like the background stuff uh, in the higher resolution. You saw the sort of the pop between the different uh, quality versions of the different level of stuff. details. Yeah, but when you got um, close to a particular plant, like both the 360 and the PS4 versions, like looked. Fantastic. Yeah, really and did. You did have to, you had to get up close to those plants sometimes when you're like inspecting them for mites and exactly, other, you know, you can't, you can't expect, you can't ex- inspect mites from, you know, even four feet away. You got to be right up, like get your head right up in there. Um, yeah, that's it. And that's sort of how they, I mean, that's the, the, the fact that that level of detail was so integral to the gameplay, mm. you know, obviously forced them to really pull out all stops. On the systems yep. that they were developing for. Which which system did you import? Because um, uh, so obviously, you know, was it was refused classification here. We've, we've gone well, through I that was, already. Yeah, I was in Canada at the time, so I was oh, able right. to pick you it up. Um, yeah. But I did only have a 360 there. Yeah. Because um, I'd, I'd had to buy it. I'd had to like buy another local one because of the whole region shit. But yeah, I, I'm I'm ashamed to say this, but I did pirate the game. Um, I found a release. I mean, I, I, I apologized to Ollie, and he said, "That's okay." He forgave you. You're Australian. You, you're, you're Australian. You could you you got to play it. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all he really cared about. And then his publisher looked at me and just scowled a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and we'll talk about this again a bit later. But of course, because of the new game and the NDA is under the publisher did insist on being on all of the calls that we were mm. in with him, uh, which was which is a little bit awkward. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there was that time where he was sort of joking, going, help me, help me. And, um, you know, when, when they went to, when they went to the bathroom, when he came back, you know, everything was fine again, you know, it was. Yeah, you sent me the video of that. It was a bit of a weird joke, but, uh. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, it, it was pretty funny in the, in the moment and I had a good chuckle about it afterwards. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, drug dealing farmer, uh, the espionage sequence that was mm, my favorite, like mm, mm, in that um, third act. Uh, I, f- I feel like I, I've gone back and played on the PS4 since. Yeah. And I've got to say the, the PS4, <laughs> I don't know why more games don't do this, but the, he actually integrated, you know, the, the motion, the tilting, the tilting mm. and stuff, which helped out a lot in like the motion. Uh, in, in the espionage sequence, like you could actually tilt to, to sort of so like pick your head out. Yeah. And- yeah. That didn't work as well on the 360 because they obviously didn't have that and they had to just sort of use the analog triggers, mm. but it doesn't, it's not as natural feeling. Uh, whereas it really felt like you could peek around the corner with the controller. You had to kind of put it up on the side and, you know, sort of move it down a little bit. And mm, it yeah, really it felt like you were putting both your hands up on the corner and peeking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did add a lot. Um, and yeah, that's a really good sequence, like leading up to, I mean, essentially leading up to that third act where you agree to, because uh, I thought, like, I often don't like when they railroad you into this, but there's no way to actually escape that. In the end, like you do have to get caught by the, you know, the farmer security from the, the big, um, what was the, uh, weed, like weed ink? Was it weed ink or weed co? Uh, weed co. It was pretty on the nose either way, but, uh, yeah, the weed co security guards find you and, and obviously then you like give in and say, okay, look, I'll come work for you. Cause you know, the, the, you know, the whole sort of storyline up to that point is that, 
despite the fact that you don't have all this technology and you're still growing illegally, you somehow still have the best weed in town. Yeah. And I, I think it's got, just got to do with the soil. And as you find out right at the end of the game, there are mine tunnels underneath underneath the farm that yeah, and those miners are rich in minerals and, and well, all and this they, sort of stuff. And Well, and I just assume those miners, like, smoked a ton of weed, so they kind of enriched the soil with the... <laughs> yeah, with the extra... With the extra... With the extra uh, TLC, the tender loving care that... <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird thing of them trying to get around it for the Australian censors, I think, was not calling it THC and calling it TLC in, in the game. I yeah. guess it was too obvious. Yeah. Especially, like, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that, that quick trip through the mines towards the end because it, it opened up new possibilities of, like, could you actually get down here beforehand? Like, mm. um Especially when you when you're driving that tractor through the middle of the field, could you actually fall into that mine shaft early? Yeah, I don't like- know if you can or not, but I, I do know that because uh, Ollie mentioned this to me that they made sure that all the mine tunnels actually did line up with how well things would grow on the surface, mm. uh, like depending on where because you, you, you can place the fields in different positions and stuff, and so there are like prime prime positions where you've got the 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 cover so that it's hidden enough. Uh, but it is actually on top of those mine shafts, and you get the additional yeah. kind of growth factor. Did did he tell you about the um the secret flying machine from Fault Lines that you could actually access from the bedroom? Oh no! So with the drawer, you know, on on his desk, yep. if you pulled that out, oh, like three quarters that, of the way in, because did that rely on the motion controls too? To pull, to no, pull no, the drawer no. Well, out? Yeah, on the PS, on the PS4, yes. Uh, but on the 360, I mean. again, yeah. you could pull it out, that drawer out just enough, and then uh, actually push um, the one on the left in a little bit further. Mm. It unlocked, you know, something from underneath the desk, and there was there was like the flying machine there. And could you he just, said like, the only reason why he put it like in a- there is so that you could get up above and you could actually see, like, survey almost, survey your entire farm from above and see that. You can actually see the tunnels, um, right in in your in your weed in your weed crops because yep. basically where they've re- already removed all the minerals, it doesn't grow well. You yep. know, it's all the minerals off to the side of that that it's actually growing really well. So you can almost see the the entire system towards the end of the first act. Um, that's cool, and and I mean, I think that's one of the things I love about all his games is the way that he blends the si- sort of system based stuff with this really. You know, aesthetic, the aesthetics and the story of things. Uh, yeah. It really like blends them in such an interesting way. Okay. So, do you want to go with the next game? Yeah. And so, you know, as we said, the final act of uh, Drug Dealing Farmer is, you know, you're, you're working for the, well, you're working for them then. And of course, the, it ends essentially in the lab. Uh, yeah, yeah, because because the um the the mineshaft stuff happens like at the start of the at the start of the act. You know, you go you go for the um for the run through the mineshaft, and they eventually yeah. catch you and and yeah, take yeah, you yeah. over to yeah. And and you have the big sort of uh you have the big uh I was gonna say showdown. Like it's a verbal yeah. show. You know, the big argument with uh the the big farmer exec at the end uh in his in the in the lab, and you know, essentially uh end things with them and, and drop your big bomb, metaphorical bomb that you've yep. been undermining them the whole time. Yeah. Then the ne- next next game, Blade Blaze. 
takes place in that same lab. Like, it opens in the lab. Mm-hmm. It's not, in this case, it, it's not a direct, like, thing you, like, you see what happened. You don't see what happened at the end of uh, Drug Dealing Pharma there, but interestingly, you, if you have the volume turned up enough right at the beginning, you hear the conversation because you're the argument, yep. like in a couple of labs, like a couple of uh, laboratories over, uh, where they're obviously, ex- they're experimenting with these experimental drugs that create Blade Blaze, a, you know, fire, a, a, a creature with fire powers um, and blades on the, on its arms. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of unrecognizable. Which I originally thought going into it, you know, blaze, weed, you know, this is, this is where they're going to be going. And, but no, it was, it was no. all about this, this creature that they've nicknamed Blade Blaze because they're, they're unoriginal there. And yeah. It's a pretty, it's a pretty, yeah. Like it, it, it means, it is what it means and it means what it is. <laughs> um, sort of game. Uh, but it, it's almost as if he, he and Audrey were just like, Joking one night, and they're just like, "Hey, what if? What if um, there's like a lab just down, just down, well, uh, I mean, I think down the road a bit?" And- pretty clear, <laughs> starting obviously with with drug dealing farmer that Ollie was kind of getting into the weed a bit. Like he was reaching a point in his life where it's like, "Oh, this is a fun thing to do." Um, so let's to let's give a platypus, you know, extend its flippers into blades and have it have flame powers when it like speeds across the landscape. Yeah. Um, and it can also talk. Like Yeah. Yeah. Uh and, and so again, like such a different game. You know, this is essentially I mean, it seems Sonic inspired uh, in, in some of the momentum gameplay. Um, you know, it, the way that it switches between like very 2D gameplay into 3D behind the like over the shoulder gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I mean, it's it's kind of just a very, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't want to say simplistic, but it comes back to basics a lot. And he's like, I think he just wanted to build a platformer, basically, or like a you know, a, a platformer of source. You know, as I yeah. said, very much momentum based movement and that sort of thing. But yeah, and I didn't feel there was as much procedural stuff. It was sort no. of more. It was randomized things that were already built and sort of each each playthrough did kind of change a little bit but not enough to to say that you know it's a fully procedural no thing it was almost as if you know there were there were structures to the levels and all this sort of stuff and you know yeah well there was obviously still these quite large areas because moving as fast as blade blaze is <laughs> you you need a lot of space but yes, they felt like they were much more put together that they were focused around the type, like diff- different types of gameplay. So, you know, some of them were just about speed and, and like getting through things, picking, picking up that you picking up your pickups, you know, attacking enemies by using your kind of like side swipes, um, with your blade attacks. But then one, like one of the, some of the levels I really enjoyed were with the flame propagation stuff. Oh, yeah. When they yeah. added that in and when you had to like, carve your way through these levels very carefully because you're setting these fields of wheat and grass and stuff on fire as you go. Um, and you know, not, not getting caught up in that to the point that, you know, you, you can't make it through anymore or that this, you're this definitely, f- this definitely felt like it was a precursor to, um, you've played the game ghost runner, like, uh, the, Don't think the, I uh, game by 3d realms. I'm pretty sure. Um, where, where you're like running through, and, and, you know, 
having to go through all these different all these different levels, get through as fast as you can. You've got predetermined places where all the all the people are going to be, and you've got to right. sort of take down everyone. Yeah, I haven't. I've maybe played a demo or something, or yep. maybe just watched a trailer. Okay. Yeah, this is like a precursor to that in mm. the fact that you know it's it's about the speed, it's about the combat, it's about the um, it's also about. You get to the end and you see the havoc that you've raised yeah. throughout the level, and it does. Yeah, I love the way that when like you a- get to the end of the level, like pull out, and you, yeah, you'd see. I mean, you could see your path. The trail of flame, just from flame, the trail of flames, and 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 the you know the areas that were still burning if you'd gone through a structure or through a field or whatever. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it definitely had like a crash Bandicoot sort of feel as well, given that you were running away from the camera a lot of the time. Um, you mean running into running? Oh, running away! No, so from, running, yeah. running away for yes. the, for the most part. There yes. was the occasional one where you were running away from something, and they did they did the well, and that worked well in those in those particular ones because they they made use of the just the flight the, the flames from behind behind yeah. you, like in seeing this stuff just set alight as you go past it. I mean, one of my uh, favorite things was seeing, you know, the wood pile off to the side and you sort of run and try to take the flame through it. So it mm. sets off, you know, all these bonfires so that, you know, it may distract the, the big beast that is chasing yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you get that big, you get that like flame, that, um, what do they call it? Uh, the, mo- the multiplier at the end. Um, was it, did they call it the conflagration multiplier? I can't remember. Was it? I thought it was a flombo. <laughs> it was a flame combo. <laughs> Flombo. Flombo. Right. That's why it went out of my game, name, <laughs> head, because it's a ridiculous name. Um, but yes, they did call it a Flombo, which was a little bit, uh, irreverent for, you know, all these games. It but- was, it was awesome. I love getting that Flombo multiplier up and. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the, the, that you went into the 2D spaces as well. Um, in, and, and just the way that it didn't feel limiting. Because it's you know like you said it's this huge it had that speed of that in, at that instant thing of you run into the into you know the building and it flips into the two D thing yeah. and you can but very it works quickly so just because well, then you you're making these much and- more precise jumps that if you're trying to do in three D like the camera's getting in the way and different things but yeah yeah to just be able to do that and like oh wall wall bounce off you know leaving these blasts of flame behind you. Uh, you know, spin, spin blading through, you know, mm. broken walls and stuff. Uh, yeah. Like it just works so well. I've got to say, this is probably Audrey's best work on the animations. The animations like- and yeah. And I mean, obviously the, uh, the V, like the effects, the fire effects were just yeah incredible. And the way that, the way that they mixed what was obviously like hand animated fire elements into the particle systems and stuff that they mm. built in. Like, it just gave it such an interesting style. Uh, it didn't just look like standard fire assets. It was it was Audrey's fire. Like, they put yeah. their own real, like, spin on it. Not to, you know, pun intended in a game where you're doing a lot of spin, spin yeah. attacks. But, uh, yeah. What did, what did you think about um, having, having you know, Weed Co. as, as, the, as the antagonist again? Like- they're the ultimate antagonist. They obviously, they want to get their experiment back. Yeah. Um, well, it was interesting that given the through line of some of each of his games where he does do this whole start and end in the same spot, this is what, like, this is, I think, the f- one of the first times that he's really carried through a story element. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there's, so- there's that level that you actually you run through what looks to be his um the farm uh, the the farm yeah where you know because I because I played this on the PS4 uh, just after I finished my last one I'm like hang on I put my crops there. Right, yeah, I think he so, did. So, I didn't have that in there, but he did mention that, yes, it pulls from your save file from yeah. Drug Dealing Farmer in that level um, as a little um, extra. And, of course, in that level, that's where that's where you've got, you know, uh, the scientists chasing you down in the in the truck and you're, you're like, running running right in front of them, a la, you know, a Crash Bandicoot sort of level. Yeah. When, when you actually get away enough and you can run through the farm and set enough of the, um, enough of the farm on fire and basically uh create a huge weed cloud mm. you know that mellows mellows the scientists out for them well yeah i love that as an added mechanic that like you want to be aiming for the weed crops that are like and, and the most developed weed, like the the furthest along because you get bigger weed clouds to like yeah i mean my, my flambo was going crazy because i'd set up my farm so nicely that it it actually meant that I could ping pong off all these all these different sections, right, right, and and really hit it. I could imagine, uh, given that I didn't actually play a game without, um, you know, yeah, a you game. just get a standard, like you get a standard standard layout, so layout essentially. Um, I, I wonder whether you can actually play, you know, do a speed run of of drug dealing farmer first. Because I, I hear that the speed run's actually pretty damn quick for that. I think they can get it through in like five minutes. I wonder whether they'd actually be able to save enough time. Yeah, in, I bet you could. I bet you could affect in your, Blade Blaze. Yeah, I bet you could affect your speed in ba- in Blade Blaze by laying out your farm well enough to because because that level I I know that um, is where a lot of people did get stuck because they weren't sure how to. Like the scientists kept on capturing blade blaze through it. But yeah. I think that if you did your farm well enough, I need I need to look into this. Mm. Um, whether the speed running strats actually come into come into it that I wouldn't you be ha- surprised. That's you have to actually uh, play both games. And I mean, to, mu- they must to have, finish it. They must may have to make that a an like advantage separate category, a separate maybe. category in its own to have that as an advantage. Yeah, yeah. I, I that'd be a fun watch. Pers- personally, I think that they should always be made to replay it, not just. Um, oh, part of the same speed run? Part of the sp- same speed run, <laughs> rather than having a save game there that they can yeah. just go, yeah, I've got a save game. It's like, yeah, no. Start from because a then you can hack or- the save game and, mm. like... I mean, knowing, sp- <clears throat> knowing speed runners, I'm sure there is a category for, like, fresh factory settings PS4. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, I really did like the use of the of the motion controllers in this. It wasn't until uh, my son was playing it the other day and, and doing that whole thing about, you know... Your controller would jump, right? Like, when you push the button, like, yeah, it would actually help the character jump further. And it was like, oh my god, he actually he used like what he used to do as a kid. And I asked him about this, and yeah. he said he said that yeah, as a kid, he he and his sister would literally, you know, yeah, of course, you you shift the, you'd shoot, lift shoot the-, the controller up into the air, and he's like, well, the PS4 has got this, and I think. This is why he's stuck with the PlayStations from now on. Like, yeah, he definitely did. Pun not intended. Lean into the the motion controls as these sort of. But I like how subtle he did it. Like he didn't. It's not like oh, in, now we get to a motion control section. It's like no, there are these subtle little touches. Mm. Uh, you know that you don't even realize that are there until until you see someone else do it in it, play it in a slightly mm. different way, and then you go, oh wow! Like when I was actually, you know. Um, 
you know, really nervous about it and was like, come on, and just well, and launching the, the, launching the control well, up in the like air the, was- The fact that oh, you yeah, and the leaning a subtle is- lean as you're, like, blasting through a field that's on a hill to kind of keep your line really uh, on point. And, and again, the animation, the way that the animation played into that, how, like, the blades would yep. shift subtly- Sort of almost like you know balancing the the weight um, yeah. of your of your of your of blade blaze of the creature. Yeah, very cool. This does bring us to his latest game. Yeah, the unreleased game. The unreleased yet game to come out on yet to come a out PS Five exclusive. We can we can announce that it is. Yeah, yeah. He did. He did tell us the name. He told us that that's what it's called. It obviously. Yep. Uh, does start in a burning field. Yes. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, obviously it does start in, uh, in a burning field and, you know, it's, it's still undergoing polish. Yep. Uh, it's still got some rough edges, certainly. Mm. He did say something about toying with like a meta sort of thing that like Blade Blaze itself was, a computer game in mm. this world and sort of having all the games sort of all come together. And this would be like the, the, the time to go through everything. Yeah. And, it's and got explore. a very meta feel to it. Um, the version we played it was missing a lot of major like assets still. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we didn't really get a sense of how all of his previous games fit into it. But yeah, uh, I definitely saw a plunger. And that was cool. Yeah. um, Especially because, and I think, again, we can announce this here. This is a VR game. Yes. It's coming out for PlayStation. It's coming out for PlayStation VR 2. Yeah. He gave it, he gave us a version that we could play on our, on our Oculus. uh, Yeah. Basically a development version. He is, he's making it in, in like one of the, one of the big engines. And, um, he didn't want to say too much about it. He did say that he does have a PlayStation VR 2 and it is amazing. Um, but he, he got one working. He got this working for us so that we can at least try it out. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, from what's in there so far, the area that really strikes me the most is when you're running through like the, well, not running, but when you're walking through like the data centers, uh, it's got this real kind of, almost horror vibe to it. It's not like jump in your face horror, but it's got like this creepy undertone. The sound design is, is fantastic with just the hum of all the servers and you can kind of hear the air conditioning. And Did you ever play the game Wilson's Heart? No, but I remember you talking to me about it. Yeah. So Wilson's Heart was on, on the Oculus. I bought it and I've never passed the first area of the game because- <laughs> The atmosphere was just so, so creepy that yep. I'm like, no, like, I, I love the idea of horror in VR and all this sort of stuff, but I can't do it. I can yeah. watch people do it. I cannot do it myself. And there was, you're, you're in like a mental hospital and you could hear like things off in the <laughs> distance. Just yeah, because, I can't do that because of the spatial audio and all this sort of stuff to when That's you're it. looking and it's like, oh, and it's all black and white. This this felt like he wanted to. I mean, he's definitely some, trying to creep you out. Yeah, trying to creep you out while also celebrate, you know, all the games that he's done so far. Well, and what I liked, and and you know, it, it gave uh, 
Uh, again, like we said, it's it's a very meta thing, and and the the server the server room the data center is almost a hub area for the rest of the game. Yeah, and you sort of you you're going through and you come across particular computers that there's like a terminal there that you can like hook into and and you've got some sort of fun little not hacking but just like interfacey sort of mechanics. Yeah, but then you essentially like you'll start something running and. The, and like move into that game. Uh, yeah, and you pull um, on he, a headset he, in the game. Yeah, he he did actually call it. Um, and I think it's just a just a a, a base name. Is he called it Tronning? Uh, right, where you yes. get Troned into the like he's using Tron as a like as a, a verb. verb. Yeah, as you do. Um, which <laughs> yeah, I get what he's trying to do, but there Disney- wasn't the big laser. Uh, and you're not being digitized or anything. You're just no. literally putting on a helmet. But he, he's, he's calling it Troning anyway. Uh, but the fact that you could take things out of the games that you're that you're in. Well, that and that's cool. And, that, and that's what I really like actually about the structure as a whole. That you're almost you're trying to solve the the overarching story and puzzle in this data center, but you have to go into each of these computer worlds and pull things out, whether it's information or, yeah, literal items that you can then carry with you yep. uh, to solve it. I know the first one that um, that he said that we were allowed into was uh, the apartment of Red Hot Plumber. Yeah. And so we could we could have a bit of a look around there, and in there you did actually find, you did find, like, the rugby ball that could help you get into the occult rugby simulator that... Um, they were the two sort of arenas that we were allowed into, mm-hmm. um, not including the, the 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 data center itself and the, the data center and the, and the, and the the intro yeah uh, prologue sort of thing where you're in the field with the with blade blaze and yeah and that's a bit of a cold open again pun not intended since you're in a fucking blazing field uh, what because I like you didn't is- come out of that. And realize you're in the data center, and 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 the fact that it starts off, and you're you're actually there, and you're seeing literally this platypus, mm. like sort of burning on the ground. Yeah, it's kind of dark, really. It's kind of dark. The previous game was sort of, and then you don't really notice it. You're looking around, and then all of a sudden, the darkness creeps in from the outside, and it sort of turns into a computer screen and has just "Game it's, Over" written on it. It's like a it's- really impressive effect. Yeah, that that. They've managed this transition from VR to, yes, this other VR space with the previous environment in front of you on a screen. Yeah. I, w- I did it a bunch of, like, I restarted over a bunch of times to figure out where that, like, ex- like exactly at what point they flip it. And it's it's so hard to find. Yeah. And um, it's because it's so slow. Like, that prologue is a good seven minutes long. Like, Yeah. But just the fact that they wait, like, they've obviously- well, you know, he, he's really figured out because I was trying like, because obviously if you're moving your head around a lot, it's going to be pretty obvious if suddenly the view you were looking at is on a screen, right? Yeah. But it never happened then. Like he's tracking when you're still enough for long enough to that make the transition yeah. uh, so that when you do turn your head and it's like, oh, now I'm in this other space, it's not jarring, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's very impressive. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, obviously this is this is just- the start of of what he plans for this. It's going to be a huge game. Yeah, it's and I mean the data center itself is huge already. Like, yeah, um, I don't know how much he's planning to put in there. Uh, obviously, he's he's you know putting areas for each of his own games, and this is becoming a bit of a uh, you know self 
I won't say self-aggrandizing, but like he's he's utilizing his all his previous games and the fact that they are these continuous worlds essentially uh to drive the story of this one, which is I mean it's super cool. Like for anyone who's followed, I mean I I did kind of laugh when I looked over at the um at the server for uh lifeless uh whatever lifeless frontier. Uh, yeah, Lifeless Frontier. And the server itself was completely dead. I'm like, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, actually kind of funny. Like- like- yeah. Well, I liked that for there was one, and you couldn't, we couldn't go into it yet, but what I assume was for Miniature Graveyard Party, where there's just like a Super NES um, cartridge sticking out the front of the server mm. um, with like wires and shit coming out of it. Um, yeah. It, 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 a, lot of, a lot of clever little- Easter eggs and things in there. Oh, he's he's a weird man. He's he's a strange fellow. He's an odd duck. Uh, we love him though. We love his work. This this has brought us to the end uh, of his entire you know gaming history. Uh, well, it turns out not quite. There are some demos that. Yeah. Okay. I guess we've got time he, to he, talk about some of those. He he did he did say we'll just we'll just quickly we'll quickly go through them like just yeah we'll um, fire through some of the demos that he like some of the oh well, I mean yeah he get, basically he demoed us through like prototypes and stuff that he worked yeah. on um, that that didn't really make their way into full games yeah uh, so first one that I've got here is unpleasant cheese <laughs> yeah uh, that that was a kind of fun one with a, about a mouse in in like a lab it was supposed to originally. Uh, follow, um, what's it called? Blade uh, no, no uh, uh, the drug. Yep, farmer, drug dealing yeah, farmer. farmer. Yeah, drug dealing farmer. Yep, because it was like it was supposed to be a rat in the maze and all this little stuff. And then he's just like, the cheese physics were were fun, but yeah, the the mouse physics were were or the rat physics were a lot harder because hair still wasn't working too well. Mm. At- at the time, so yeah. Well, this one, he, I think he he said he had a bit of a similar issue with. This was the Castle of Frog Spies. Um, mm, yes, and, and again, that was meant. This one was meant to come over, come on after Attack of the Banjo, where you're in like the frozen thing, and it was all going to melt, and you're going to be underwater for a bunch of it. Yeah, uh, and it was going to take you through like tadpole stage, you know, growing leg, blah blah blah. Uh, but again, like the physics of the, like the underwater physics and then moving onto land and having the, you know, he, he was experimenting with, uh, almost quop style, like just the back legs, but to, to, to leap. Yep. Uh, yeah, just didn't, didn't really work out. Yeah. Uh, this one is actually his first ever game, uh, mm. tribal mountain climber. He actually said that if you do, if you do manage to get to the end, it was a, it was a game made for the TRS-80. Um, if you do manage to get to the end, you finish in a graveyard. So, right. so it was and like it's, a, it's a tiny graveyard. Like, mm. um, but, uh, and it was at the top of a mountain. And I think, you know, his whole thing was that, you know, this was, this was just him trying to, trying to program something in, in, Basic, basically, mm. <laughs> which is what the TRS-80 was on. It was the only PC that his dad had when he was, you know, growing up and at eight years old. I mean, to, to build, build like a, what felt like a fully functional climbing game. Mm. And then to have, you know, this, um, it sort of felt like Frogger in a way, the way that you were actually right, like leaping from, up the, yeah, climbing up the, the different things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, 
that was kind of cool and, you know, a trip down memory lane, but it, it it's not a released game, so mm. we didn't include it at the very start. Yeah, and then the last one I had, uh, which was another fairly early one, um, which this was an unreleased ROM hack that he had, I mm. think, after he did a cult robbery creator, uh, Dead Phobia. Oh, I forgot about Dead Phobia. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, what? Which game are you going on going on about? There's nothing in. The, in fact, no, there was. Well, and it was like, interesting because he sort of took some of the like the top down rugby mechanics. Like you think he'd used some of that same code, um, but it was very. It was sort of walking. Th- he was almost trying to combine the last. I think this is before he'd really figured out that he just wanted to keep going. Sort of at the tail end of that. Like, you know, we're saying the necromancy um, area and he just in the end decided, no, he needs to go in a new direction. But you're basically like walking around a graveyard and you're trying to raise kind of the correct combination of spirits um, yep. to solve puzzles. And but when they don't, you're like, you have to run away. And uh, but it was a little bit awkward because I'm like yeah. on a rugby field that's open where those controls worked, like with all the graves in the way and stuff, it felt very awkward to actually get away. Yeah, yeah you couldn't get a run going and like it was only the one room too. Like it was very yeah, early like he on. Didn't, he-, he didn't yeah, he didn't go a ton uh into But it. I was glad to see that he did the typical developer graphics, because I'm remembering it now. Like mm. there was basically everything was just a cube or everything was just a just a square sort of thing. Like it was he didn't do any of the any of the sprites yet, but you no, could sort no. of tell he was, he was definitely like what was interesting is there was actually some depth to the spirit raising stuff where like each grave, like the, the, the body in each grave kind of had different attributes and you had to combine them in the right way and, you know, different combinations. So he had some of that, like it was just stats though. You'd just see, yeah. you know, debug stuff on the screen. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, that's actually one of the mechanics that I, I'm, it's a shame that he never developed further. Yeah. And look, I wouldn't be surprised if, there's a few Easter eggs in- Probably, yeah. In which, for people who, who have sort of seen this and even seen- I mean, I suppose we should actually say that we are actually- We are sponsored this week. Mm-hmm. We are sponsored by um, by Ollie Zanetti's publisher. Uh, can we actually name who that is? Uh, well, we'll just beep it out if we can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, we're sponsored this week by Flim Flam Soft. Yep. They have just released the anthology- of all Ollie's and Eddie's games to this date. Yeah, in in sort of a lead up to obviously yep. they're trying to build up that that buzz and make sure that people have the opportunity to actually get all the Easter eggs. Yeah. So that's in there there's like the PDF of the of the biography, there's um you know, there, there's basically a playthrough of of the two earlier games uh on the ROM hacks because they didn't they well, weren't able they to release them yeah. all. Yeah, they could. But um, uh, after that, you got pretty much every game on there. It's um, it's the first time that these games have been made available. Uh, some of these g- games have been made available, uh, well, since they came out. Mm. But also the first time that um, you know, drug dealing farmer and uh, blade blaze were actually allowed on the Xbox One. Yes. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's really cool that they put that much work. Uh, yeah. into and into you don't miss the motion stuff. stuff at all. Like it, it's no, um, no, they make it work. Yeah, yeah. So. Flimflamsoft, they sponsored us this week, and that's um that's yeah, really really quite them. cool. But that does bring us to the end. Hopefully, not the end of Ollie's animated games, but you know we'll oh, see. No. I, I want to see what he does next after this. Absolutely, after this amazing game. To that. But you know, to date, 
Uh, we've covered all of his games. So uh, if you missed last week, go back and check out his earlier games that we obviously referenced. Probably should have said that at the very start. So if you've made it all the way here, there was an episode before Yeah, this. you're probably confused. Uh, and <laughs> we've also we've to- brought up every single game that he yeah. did. <laughs> And also go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm for all of our previous episodes uh, where we talk about our own stupid games that we make up and occasionally, you know, review some other ones. And occasionally we we make up, you know, we just take some video game names and, and you know, come up with... With our you own know, designs um, for them. With yeah. our own, res- our own designs as to what that, that game could be or, or weeks, even, but. or even do some reviews. Like we've, we've done some reviews in the past and, yep. um, of real games that actually exist as well. Mm-hmm. So check them out. Uh, I suppose the next thing is if you like the music that we play at the start and end, that's the song Matt defines off of the album containment failure by the band Kuradust. You can find it on Bandcamp, uh, by searching it on Google. <laughs> it's the Best easiest way, way. I can't be bothered. That's right. So- Thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. I was going to say, and, and and as we're all so fond of hearing <laughs> before all these games, flim flam, soft.